Chapter thirty two of The Last of the Vikings by Johann Boyer. Translated by Jesse Muir. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirty two. The spring had come. There was still frost at night, and the snow was deep and high, but in the middle of the day the sun shone warm, so that blue bottles began buzzing about and crawling in and out of the eye sockets in the fish heads that were scattered about all over the islands. There was a stronger smell of sea, fish refuse, and seaweed. The gardens of the station had a spring fragrance of their own. It was a great day for Christaver, when he was once more ready to set out for the banks in the seal. It is useless to try to sail a stout boat with only four men, and so he had been over to an island on which there was a fish guano factory, and engaged a man who was a neighbor of his at home. His name was Elias Flata, and he was a bow-legged man of about seventy, who was too old to fish, but still came up every winter to work in the factory, his work being to thread cod-heads on strings. He sometimes returned home after a winter spent thus in Lofoten, with seventy or eighty kroner in his pocket. "'What I want is a capable man,' said Christaver, to encourage the old man, "'and I know of no one better than you.' Elias Flata's face brightened. In his day he had been such a fine fellow, and had done the work of seven. But old age, old age!' He scratched his ear doubtfully, and said, "'No, <laughs> he was surely too old for that.' "'Oh, no!' said Christaver, still persisting. No, if I can get you as you are, we five will be as good as six or seven, for that matter. It does old people good to hear younger men boasting. The old man gave in. He had no sea-going clothes, but there were Alesos Hilla's sea-boots and oilskins that he could have. The seal stood out to sea again, and the old man was once more on board a Lofoten boat. Ah, oh, but he was a man who knew how things should be done in the forepart of the boat, where he was stationed. The very first day he was cuffing Arndt Osan because he was such a clumsy fellow. They sailed out with a fair breeze and the North Sea rocking under them, and once more saw the countless boats at their peaceful occupation and the clouds of birds in the air. The old man looked about him and could not help laughing. Ha, ha! He had been out like this before now. On the way back they had to row against the wind, and he and Lars chanced to sit together on the same thwart, each with his oar. The seaman of seventy wanted to compete with the boy of sixteen, and they both pulled hard, neither of them wishing to be thought the weaker. How the old man rowed! "'You must buck up, boy,' he said, "'and see who's the strongest. Pull away!' rowing's real medicine there's scarcely an illness but what you can row yourself well of again the very first evening he got Lars to put together a letter to his old woman down south all he wanted to say was that he had gone to sea again that would give the women folk something to talk about about the middle of april the fishing began to draw to an end and one day when they were out on the banks with the sun shining and a light breeze ruffling the surface of the water, several heads were raised to watch a flock of black birds flying westward. 
"'The cormorant's moving,' the men said to one another, with a laugh. It was a sign, for when the birds departed from Vare and Rust, the fishing was ending here and beginning out west. Another bright sunny day, when a wind was blowing that would be splendid for anyone going south. A boat that had come out later than the others brought the news that several southerners at the station were making ready to start. They had put the cabin in, and some had the high rigging up in readiness for the voyage home. While the nets were being drawn, someone shouted, Why, there are some brown cormorants on the move! There was a pause in the work while all eyes gazed across the water at five or six Nordland boats that were sailing over the West Fjord before a fresh breeze. They must be men from Helgeland, and now they were going. The first birds of passage had risen and flown south. A peculiar restlessness spread from boat to boat on the banks. The men pulled and tugged at their nets, their one desire being to go ashore and follow their example. The fishing was over for this year, and they wanted to go home. Suddenly a Stats boat with a topsail was seen coming on alone after the others over the West Fjord. "'Who can that be?' asked one and another, wonderingly. "'Damn it all, if it isn't Andreas Ekra!' cried Jakob. "'Upon my word, he has stolen a march upon us this year, too.' The southerners gazed for a few moments at this comrade boat that was again playing them this trick. "'Oh, that Andreas! That Andreas!' After this, no time was lost. The nets were dragged in, the oars shipped, and a race began between hundreds of boats all wanting to reach land and be the first to start for home. Old Elias Flata was one who pulled hard, and if he had any illnesses he would certainly have rowed himself into health again now. It was a busy night, for there was much to settle and do, but by the morning most of the boats were ready, the cabin in the stern and the high rigging up. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nordlanders and Southerners waved their southwesters to one another and hastened out to sea. Silence had descended upon the islands. There were no boats in the harbor, and no sounds arose from the wharves. The gulls had made their entry, however, and soared above the islands on white sun-flecked wings to swoop down upon the shining water and dive for refuse. The huts about which the fishermen had lately thronged were now deserted, and their windows, grey with salt spray, looked out from empty rooms whose occupants had forgotten in their haste to wash the floor, and where a sooty coffee-kettle and a black stew-pan had been left standing unemptied, and would have to wait there for nine months before men came to the hut again. A girl was standing on a point of rock with her hands on her hips, gazing after one particular boat. The wind ruffled her hair, her breathing was quick and heavy. She saw steamers bustling out, sloops and trading vessels hoisting sail, lister boats heeling over to leeward and darting off, sails, sails everywhere, and all hastening away to far, far distant shores. End of chapter 32